Hello, welcome to note up number 113. This note up will be discussing debugging, and I am your host, Bradley Farias. I work at GoDaddy and I'm on TC39, and I'm that ES modules person. For our panel today, we have Thorsten Lawrence. Thorsten, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, I work for NodeSource. I've been like dabbling with Node.js like for a long time. Uh, at some point I got interested in performance and tracing debugging, so I wrote a bunch of modules and a bunch of experiments with that. Some of you will know some of those. And lately I've been working mostly on core uh, during my time with NodeSource, helping Trevor at the Async Hooks API, which is another cool debugging thing that will come soonish. And our other panelist is Fedor Indutny, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, I work at PayPal. I'm a software engineer there. And uh, I'm just this Node.js core guy. Uh, also author of LNodes uh, LDB plugin for debugging of Node.js. I wrote some crypto libraries for JavaScript, like BN.js, Elliptic, Dash.js, and lots of small and not so various JavaScript projects. So that's it for me. So today's show is sponsored by Sneak, Rollbar, and DigitalOcean. And so before we get into things, let's have a moment for Sneak. Sneak is a London and Israeli company building developer-focused security tools, primarily focused on securing open source code. One in seven NPM packages carries a known vulnerability, and roughly 83% of Node.js shops are using vulnerable packages. Sneak checks your dependencies against their open source vulnerability database, and then helps you find, fix, prevent, and respond to any vulnerabilities in your application. If you're using GitHub, the fix can be as simple as an automated pull request that Sneak submits with the necessary fixes. You can easily integrate Sneak into a CI system like Travis or Jenkins to make sure your application is monitored continuously. Open source projects are free to monitor, and there's also a free 14-day trial for your private code. Find out more at snyk.io node. Welcome back to NodeUp. Let's get into things and start asking some questions. The Node Foundation now has multiple debugging tools, and it's actually thinking about bringing another in. We have Node Report, LL Node. Node has the debugger inside of itself. There's now a Node Inspect flag. And there's also a command line executable Node Inspect. Could you guys just discuss why do we have so many tools and what are they for? Okay, I guess I could speak about LNode. So LNode has came out to be a tool on Node.js Foundation out of my frustration with MDB being not available on neither macOS, neither on Linuxes. So it was just available on SmartOS, basically Solaris fork. And uh, I wanted to have something like this to be available for me in my daily routine while working on Node.js core bugs and helping PayPal, of course. So I um, decided to write a C++ plugin for LDB. At this time, yeah, I couldn't really find much documentation for C++ APIs of LDB, but anyway, figured it out. We have this plugin, which is now supported by both me, Howard Heller from IBM, and also a guy from uh, Alibaba. So it could be used for both post-mortem debugging and even for some live debugging, for example, for Node.js add-ons. So that's uh, kind of it. Um, I could speak to Node Inspect. So Node Inspect, basically, uh, the minus minus inspect flag adds the backend to be able to debug Node with Chrome DevTools. So basically, if you're debugging a tab in your Chrome browser, Chrome DevTools actually communicates with that tab over a protocol, and that includes debugging, snapshotting, profiling, and so on. And that same backend that that tab would implement is now implemented in Node itself. So you can use the exact same protocol to talk to Node, which allows us now to uh, debug the Node process and do heap snapshots and profiles and so on uh, pretty easy. It's an advancement from like something like Node Inspector. Node Inspector was actually using the debug port for everything, so it wasn't implementing that actual protocol. So we can now 
move much closer with whatever Chrome DevTools, wherever it goes. Also, since it's implemented by the VA team or some people from the VA team, as far as I know, and it's kind of updated with each version of Node, it will keep working. Probably some of you know that Node Inspector kind of would break once in a while because it depended on certain versions of V8. Then the Node Inspect tool, like Node-Inspect, is actually just a front-end to that backend. So Chrome DevTools is one front-end in the browser. Node Inspect is a command-line front-end, which allows us to basically debug Node processes right in the command-line. So it, it's interesting that both of you were saying that these tools are in part because other places had functionality that Node's core wanted. For LL Node, it was MDB having existing functionality. And for Node-Inspect, it was that Chrome DevTools had existing functionality. Do you think there have been problems in the past just finding a way to debug Node? Is that what's going on here? Or are we seeing more of a unification where all the tools are going towards a single workflow? Well, I think actually there are two, two parts here, right? LL Node is a tool designed for full-stack debugging, which basically allows us to debug from, the, like you say, the C++ side, but we can see all the JavaScript functions as well, and we can actually inspect JavaScript objects. That hasn't been possible on OS X or Linux before like it is now. I actually did some experimentation with that. I, I had another LDB plugin that was using Python and wasn't quite as powerful, but it was able to show you JavaScript function names, at least, in your stack trace. So basically, it has been a pain point for a long time, which is why a lot of people have tried to find a solution for this. And in my opinion, LNode kind of solves like a lot of the problems and is really amazing. So props to Fedor for implementing that. And then if you look at the other tools, uh, Node Inspect, that's basically just trying to make debugging node processes as easy as it is to debug kind of a browser web pages or browser apps. And uh, it has been possible in the past. It just never was, let's just say, maintained as or could have been maintained as well because a Node Inspector, for instance, was trying to work with different node versions. But now the V8 team has invested a bunch of time to make this a lot better and, in my opinion, a lot more stable. So we can see this working in the future and like improving, as far as I can tell. And uh, since we mentioned embed, embedding and bundling uh, different JavaScript application side of Node, like Inspector, I think it could be worth mentioning that Node for quite some time now has dash dash prof dash process flag, which is basically a bundled version of, how was it called, tick processor in V8. So in past we had problems where different versions of V8 tick processor didn't work with profile outputs from different versions of Node. So, yeah, in my opinion, we kind of, with all these modules and applications, we kind of get in the unification. So it's not like something just for solving stuff, but rather having something in one place for convenience. So with the tick processor, is that a debugging tool, or it sounds more like CPU profiling and timing? It's more like profiling tool. But, of course, profiling is sometimes inevitable if you want to have some debugging. So it could be debugging performance problems as well. So, but, yeah, I guess it's slightly off topic here. Sorry. Well, maybe not. I think a good thing to discuss is just debugging what are we, what are we talking about here. Are we talking solely on logic bugs or... Is memory something we should discuss and CPU something we discuss? Certainly all these tools have, to some extent, an overlap of these features. So it sounds like we're getting to a point where they're able to work with each other to some extent. And I'm wondering, is there any idea that we could get perhaps something like LL Node talking to Node Inspect or vice versa? In my opinion, we still have some sort of a divide here. So as I said, LL Node kind of allows you to see your full stack as you're debugging. 
However, if you're, for instance, using a node inspect and then you start the profiler in there, all you will see is your JavaScript. So if, for instance, you're trying to find out why your application is slow and the problem is actually with the function that you wrote in JavaScript, then you will find that problem. However, if that problem actually manifests itself somewhere in C++, you will not be able to see that because all you will see that JavaScript is not running during that time. So there could still be some more unification going on. Like, for instance, if somehow magically LL node would add some way to profile, which I doubt it would because it's just running in the LDB debugger. But if something like that, if we would have something like that that unifies kind of profiling the entire stack and as allows us to see the JavaScript functions as well as C++ functions. And I've been doing some experimentation in the past with that using Dtrace, basically to debug from the C++ side and then resolving the JavaScript functions to be able to see the entire stack. But all these tools, I would say, are still kind of, kind of a little hard to use and, and not so stable. So something that would be easy to use and very stable and something that you could easily use in production as well is something that's still missing. And I hope we'll get that in the future. It could be probably a job for some kind of IDE which could unify all of them because many of these tools are low level. Well, not many. Some of them are low level, like all nodes, probably not report. I'm not sure. Probably some kind of high level IDE could speak both inspector protocol and in the inner workings have running LDB instance, so it could check both of them. I can hardly imagine how LDB could become really high level tool for profiling or anything. Okay, so let's move on to another topic. How do you decide which to debug if they have different purposes? If you've got a node application, what tool would you go towards as your first debugger and why? Uh, Could you define a little more the problem, I guess? Or maybe we can just enumerate. If you have a problem of logic, like you wrote some JavaScript, you don't know if it's correct or it's not working and console log is not giving you enough, then I would say just use node minus minus inspect to just see follow your JavaScript logic in DevTools. If you think your problem, performance problem is in JavaScript, use that first. So probably that's, that's the easiest. You could also use node minus minus inspect to take some snapshots, do some profiling. However, if you find that your problem is lower in the stack, then you need to reach for something like node or some profilers that actually profile from the C++ end. So it depends totally on your problem. Yeah, I totally agree with Thorsten. In my experience, I usually start with high-level console log, inserting them everywhere, and just trying to see which parts are cold and which, which parts could uh, gone wrong. And then uh, if nothing works, move to lower level and then to lower level and uh, yeah, until everything. Just a quick mention, memory problems could be solved with all node 2. So if you have a memory leak or anything and if for some reason you can get enough information from the heap snapshot, with all node you can find all objects that are live in the V8 heap at the time of application is running and uh, inspect each object separately if you want. So it's quite powerful for this. And actually, I used it for, for fixing a TLS leak, and it kind of worked just fine. So this is a bit interesting with LL Node. I know Netflix in particular has many presentations where they use it, well, they use MDB, which LL Node is looking to have the same feature set, it sounds like. They use it for something called post-mortem debugging. Can you elaborate just on what post-mortem is, and do you even use it day-to-day? I don't know. Post-mortem debugging is kind of, kind of speaking for itself. So when application crashes, one way to handle it is just to restart it and forget everything that you know about it. But you could also configure a kernel to save something called the core dump which is basically a big file which contains all of Node's memory, including V8, heap, and C++ heap. And then you can try to find something meaningful out of this big uh, blob of 
data. Yeah, both MDB and LNode can work with it. And uh, they use debuggers as a backend. So MDB is actually a debugger for C and C++ for a Solaris uh, operating system. LDB is a debugger too, obviously. As far as I know, Netflix in indeed used it quite extensively. From my experience, I could tell uh, also about Voxer, which I worked for some time ago. And at Voxer, we spent quite a lot of time investigating issues with the car dumps. So we actually almost never did live debugging at all. It's kind of a good perspective on what's happening, and it helps a lot, especially for the memory leaks. I would add to that that I think most, let's just say, normal Node developers, day-to-day -day developers, won't probably deal with post-mortem debugging too much. But if something is crashing in production and you don't even get a JavaScript stack trace, for instance, a core dump could be a lifesaver. Since I'm working really close with actual Node Core and so on, I run into some cases where you know all you get is segmentation fault 11, and you don't know what in the world happened. So usually my first step is to open the console application. So it's like it's not the console like in a terminal, but it's just you just have console in the finder, and it opens up this UI that, and then you go to user reports, and they can actually find the process that crashed, and it has a crash report. But the crash report only shows you C++ and C stack traces. It's missing all the JavaScript. So if you can see it there, that's fine. However, if that's not enough, then usually what I would do is I open LDB, and I have LNode as a plugin installed. So I do LDB, point it to the path of node executable that I was using, and then dash C, and then point it at the core dump. And then I basically can just do a V8 backtrace, and I can see exactly where I was in the JavaScript as well, and it's like a lifesaver if you run into problems like that. One thing to add for me, it's actually not just a stack trace. So having a stack trace is actually sometimes a problem in production. So you, you can have like an uncalled, uncalled exception or something like this and just don't know what exactly went wrong. So exceptions and errors are not always meaningful, even if you have a stack trace that leads to them. And there are just no way to reproduce probably 75 or 80 percent of production issues unless you have meaningful debugging information. So two ways to handle it, either lock everything that you have or just have postmortem and inspect the state in detail. See what's in the closure of function that failed, see what kind of strings were passed as an options and many other things. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I would suggest anyone who's listening to just install, like go to L, L node and install the plugin to LDB and just play around with it. It's really, really powerful. You can inspect pretty much any memory address. For instance, if you have a request coming in, you can see the headers, you can see everything. Yeah, and as Fyodor said, you can pull everything from the heap. You can see all the objects that are there. Super, super powerful. But the thing is like once you have a problem, you probably don't have the time to familiarize yourself with these tools, so I would suggest take like a weekend and just play with them and have some fun uh, and learn a bunch. It sounds like there's a lot going on and some excitement for LL Node. How does it work exactly? It, it's a plugin for LLDB, but now it's part of the now Node Foundation. Who's keeping it up to date and does it do anything directly inside of Node Core or is it just watching Node Core somehow. So, yeah, indeed it is uh, a part, part of uh, Node.js Foundation at this point, and luckily it works just fine with most of V8 updates. So it worked this way, basically. V8 has, um, inside of Node.js binary, there are so-called post-mortem constants of V8. So V8 basically exports different integer values, like where to find the properties list of an object or where to find offset of the function in a stack or something like this. There are many of them and LNode uses quite a lot. And uh, it's backwards compatible because it checks V8 version and it could decide which constants current Node.js version has and which it has not. So it could polyfill them and two various different hacks. But all in all, it works with most of V8 updates because V8 kind of improves incrementally, so usually they don't rewrite 
most of the heap layout that I have. That's uh, how it connects to V8. All node itself is a C++ plugin, so we have to write sort of models inside of it. So there is a model for JavaScript object, model for JavaScript function, model for a stack, and a model even for a get and for array. And with each such model, you can kind of call methods on it. The model is a C++ class, basically. You can call methods and get some kind of introspection of contents of a particular object. Uh, Fyodor, could you explain a little yes. bit also how it resolves the actual code? And Because in the past, what I had to do was to use these code creation events and listen to them and basically record which assembly re address corresponds to which <laughs> function of JavaScript. But obviously, if you have a core dump, you don't have a record of that. So could you explain a little bit how that works? Sure, absolutely. When you have a stack trace in JavaScript, it mentions all the functions on it, right? So from the top to the bottom. In C++ you have similar thing, but instead of function names for the JavaScript part of the stack, you will get the pointers. So these are the pointers to the code, and near these pointers, though it's usually not displayed in a stack trace in C++, there are also pointers to so-called JavaScript stack frames. And these frames are sort of like JavaScript objects, which have different properties. One of them is a callee, it's basically a function that is executed in this particular frame. And you can take this function, take its name, take its script, copy different various strings like name of this file, lines, and line numbers, I mean, and the function name can cut all of this together and just get a normal regular or JavaScript stack trace. There is not much need to collect any kind of code events because with core dump you have just all of V8's heap, so you can always reach any object or any function that is alive. And of course, if application crashed somewhere and was running some JavaScript function, it's definitely going to be alive inside of the core dump. Ooh. So that was a lot. Yeah, I think we should give that a moment to digest while we have a chance for our next sponsor, Rollbar, to give us some info. One of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors relying on users to report them, digging through log files trying to debug issues, or a million alerts flooding your inbox ruining your day. With Rollbar's full-stack error monitoring, you get the context, insights, and control you need to find and fix bugs faster, with a lot less noise. It's easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployment in a few minutes. Rollbar works with all major languages and frameworks, Ruby, Python, JavaScript, PHP, and of course, Node. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send alerts to Slack or HipChat, create new issues in Jira or Trello, and link your GitHub, Bitbucket, or GitLab repos. We have a special offer for NodeUp listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash NodeUp, sign up and get the bootstrap plan free for 90 days. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. Give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com slash up. Okay, and we're back. We've discussed the tools that we have and kind of what they should be used for in our previous section. Can we just go on and talk about what are the fundamental things that you do when you start debugging applications in Node? We've talked about using console.log. We've talked a bit about using inspect and LL node. But are there common pitfalls that you see a lot that people can easily check first when they have problems debugging their application? Well, one thing related to debugging with minds minds inspect is that if you have a script that just runs from top to bottom to completion, like it, the debugger won't have time to attach until basically the script is done. So you also have to pass a minus minus debug minus BRK, stands for debug break, which makes a, a break on the very top line. That's something that some people don't know, <laughs> but if you ha want to debug a script, that's what you have to do. I don't think I know too much common pitfalls. 
But of course, one that comes to mind is, as usual, handling callbacks and handling errors in the callbacks. So many people forgot to put the return after experiencing, finding out that a callback was called with error. And this usually leads to some kind of unexpected behavior application. But I can say that I've seen that uh, commonly recently. Uh, another thing that's related to uh, especially memory snapshots is that people need to name their function declarations. So that means that even if you, like I say, you have a prototype for people that still use prototypes, if you assign the function to, like I say, prototype.foo, but you don't name the function declaration in a memory snapshot, it will be unnamed. V8 has done a lot of advancements in magic to at least show that function name in a stack trace, but in a memory snapshot, it just won't have a name. And the reason is because you could assign that function to multiple variables or more prototype methods or whatever, so it wouldn't know, know which name to pick. The same is kind of true for error functions, that you just kind of like, if you have a function expression like an, and you just pass it in anonymously, it will not have a name, and so in the memory snapshot, you will be clueless. And most of the leaks are related to closures, and which basically are functions. So if you know which function is actually holding on to what you're leaking, that's a huge amount of information that you want. Actually, I was one time debugging an application that was written in CoffeeScript, and CoffeeScript does not name the function declarations, and the reason is some weird IE bug from the past. So basically what I had to do, I actually went through the generated code and named the functions in order to find where the leak is. So you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So name your function declarations. So you said that arrow functions have problems being named. I know V8 has this name inference where it can provide something. Is that something that's visible in heap snapshots or not visible? Do you know? I'm not entirely sure. I've heard of something along those lines. So there might be something that I'm not aware of where it does some magic for error functions. However, I know that it doesn't do it for like other, like let's say you do an FS read file and you pass an anonymous function, it will not be named. If you were to pass an error function, I don't know if it's a special case. It may make a special case there to make uh, using error functions easier. I'm not aware of it. Listeners could easily do an experiment and tweet at NodeUp with the answer. <laughs> so something that comes to my mind with both naming your functions and returning in your callbacks is there are linting tools that check for these things. Are there any linting tools that are available inside of debuggers, do you know? Or is that something we would need to look forward to in the future? Could you elaborate a bit more on that, Bradley? Because I'm not sure. Could you just basically could you explain yeah. how that would work? I'm not sure because I've never seen one. But I know something like ESLint can run on source files, and I know at least the Chrome DevTools inspector can show you the source of your JavaScript files. So I guess if you're debugging something, it may show you potential problems by highlighting lines? I don't know. I've, I haven't seen one, so I'm asking. I mean, that would be pretty powerful because a, a debugger knows a bit more. Like a linter only works statically. It basically looks at the JavaScript builds in an abstract syntax tree and then inspects for potential errors. However, a debugger, since you're running your code, it would have a lot more information about what's going on. For instance, if you're not checking, like if you're reaching into a property, let's say foo bar, foo dot bar dot, I don't know, Henry, and foo is just not defined, your debugger could, debugger could immediately warn you that that's a possible case. So yeah, there could be more tools that warn you about that. However, I feel like a linter itself, like the, the way that the linter works will probably just be used on the command line. However, if people want to have more immediate feedback, I would suggest to them to see if the editor has some sort of plugin mechanism where they can kind of integrate that. For instance, I'm using Vim and I'm using Syntastic Check, or it's called Syntastic, I think. 
And that, with that, I can define which linter to use on my files. And I actually use different linters when I'm working with core or with, when I work with my own projects. And when I save the file, I immediately get a warning in my editor. That's what I would highly recommend to people. So they get it immediately before they even try to run their file. They already see an error that they have in there without wasting time. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that by the time you want to run, may want to run a linter inside of debugger, it's probably already too late. So <laughs> you have to actually run it before the application will crash. Okay. I guess we can move on. It sounds like those are some good tips. I'd like to talk a bit about asynchronous debugging or just debugging all the asynchronous events that can happen in Node. I know these are a bit problematic for a lot of people because you lose information. Can you two discuss, let's start with callbacks. Uh, what do you do to handle asynchronous debugging in LL node or through the inspect flag? So in LL node, uh, there's there one thing that you could do, probably not much more so, is the thing is that you can inspect the closures, closures of uh, functions. So if you will hit the breakpoint in C++ or just use some kind of hack, I usually patch V8 myself to make debugger statement uh, insert a hard breakpoint. It's kind of int3 if anyone is familiar with this. And I can just insert this debugger statement and some asynchronous function and then some try to inspect the closure if I need it. But from the point of view of all nodes, there's really not much it can do about debugging asynchronous problems. Yeah, I would say debugging asynchronous problems is usually harder. <laughs> so the idea is that, first of all, as Fyodor already mentioned, you want to handle your errors that are passed to your callback and you print them out, print as much information, as you log as much information as you can. The other thing that I would say is you don't even want to run into a big problem where you have this weird bug in your code. And the way to do this is to write small modules. So let's say you have a function that does something and may have some asynchronous code in it. Try to keep that as small as possible. And the idea is you want to be able to run your code kind of synchronously for testing. So you know, define your functions where you can just call them from somewhere and and you can see how they work. And another another thing that I do a lot is let's just say I have a function that deals with some input that's generated by some async call. What I will actually do, I will save that result of an async call into a JSON object. And while I'm working on that function that then does something, let's say complex with that result, I actually just require that JSON object then and, and work with that directly and kind of develop the code that way. And then I can use that same input to author tests, like a lot of them, in order to make sure that these, these complex functions work. And then when you write those tests, don't forget the non-happy pass, like pass in null, pass in like some malformed result. And then we kind of like will prevent yourself from even running into weird async bugs because it is still a little bit hard to figure out. But if you follow these two rules, you should be okay, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I also want to add more. It's uh, really important to, if you're trying to investigate a synchronous problem, like a problem with asynchronous nature, it's really important to decouple it from various external factors. So try to isolate it as much as possible. If the application that fails makes a request to some third party, try to mock this uh, request, try to just remove them and uh, like use a set timeout or process next tick or node mock or whatever mod module you like. So try to isolate the problem as much as possible and remove as much as uh, you can the moving parts of, of the application until it will reduce to the minimum core. It's much easier to debug something that's minimal. So either write small modules or reduce your problem. You both were discussing ways to handle errors by both writing test cases and checking your input a lot. I know Node has a very old deprecated module called 
the domains module. And it basically was trying to do automatic exception handling. Would you two have anything to say on that, especially with some of the newer things coming out with automatic exception handling? Stuff like promises and potentially async hooks. Can you discuss how they're different than domains and any comments on deprecation reasons for domains, especially with relation to debugging? Phil, do you want to take this one? I'm not a big user of domains or promises, so... (laughs) Neither am I, but I can talk a bit about async hooks, I guess. So uh, async hooks is basically a minimal core for domains, so it's minimal backend that is needed to implement domains in user land, and that's as far as I know, that's what's uh, the idea that Tra- Trevor Norris had, and with this idea in mind, he developed async hooks. So with such API, I think many things are possible, along stack traces, if I'm right, but correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, yeah, different, different things. Domains, as far as I know it, as far as I remember, they never quite worked just fine. And that's the reason why they got deprecated. Some people complain, of course, but honestly saying they wasn't really good at any time, like 100% good. That's why they're deprecated now, and that's why we have uh, async hooks right now, and yeah, it's evolving. I can't really say much about promises, because I'm a callback fan myself, but if anyone has anything to weigh in, I don't mind. With regard to promises, I'm just basically a bystander to some discussions where, you know, from, from listening to some Node Core developers trying to integrate promises correctly, they run into a lot of problems with, for instance, unhandled rejects of a promise, a promise is just being kind of swallowed somehow, errors not firing, basically getting lost. So on the, on the high level, promises are, seem really easy to use. But that's kind of the the theme with a lot of things that are easy on the high level and kind of hide a bunch of complexity underneath. Then it gets really complex to make things work underneath. So you probably will be happy as long as you're using them and nothing goes bad. But once you have a weird bug in your code, you might run into a bunch of problems trying to figure out what's going on. And that's because there's actually a lot of complexity underneath. With regard to async hooks, I'm actually currently helping Trevor to to finish the last touches on that, mainly by writing a lot of tests. So basically, the main difference to domains is, as Fred already mentioned, like the API is, is much more minimal. But the, the huge benefit here is that they basically have no performance overhead at all uh, unless you actually use them. And even if you use them, they still have a very small performance overhead. With domains, it was exactly the opposite. Basically, they had to hook into every event emitter and had to wrap a bunch of functions which ended up being very expensive. And, and as I already mentioned, like there were other problems as well. Async hooks basically just allows you to hook into the lifetime events of pretty much any asynchronous resource. Like for instance, if you file off a read file, then there are a bunch of resources created under the hood. And so the first thing you would get is an init event, which will give you an identifier and the actual handle that represents that resource. And then you get two, uh, two more hooks that are related to it calling callbacks, uh, which is a before and after. And then you have another one that is called destroy. At that point, you know that basically your file read has completed because the resource or the related resource is destroyed. So the possibilities with this API are pretty much incredible. The main challenge is that you're going to get a bunch of data because, as I said, every async resource will fire. And what I see basically coming in the future is that a lot of tools will be built on top of it. And that's basically the main idea. There's one tool already called Dprof that is written by Matson, Andreas Matson, I think is his name, uh, which basically visualizes all these resources being created and all their lifetime events. And you, there you can see that you get way too much data. So for kind of debugging more targeted problems. I see a lot of libraries that will be kind of specific to each use case. But yeah, it's, it's kind of 
you could think of it as kind of like the, the perf or the trace or the detrace of Node. And, and you basically have to write tools around it to consume the data. Do async hooks do anything with errors or debuggers in particular? Or are they just giving you the hooks where you could create a framework for debugging and handling errors? I'm not entirely sure how it is related to actual errors because all they give you is hooks into lifetime events of resources. I know that Trevor is working really hard to make things work correctly, even in case of an error, but I'm not aware that it will basically allow you to handle errors. What it also gives you, though, is a, an embedder API. So if you, for instance, wanted to also emit these kind of events, you can. So that could be useful if you want to kind of, let's just say you write an add-on or you're writing any JavaScript library, you want to kind of you know visualize that a certain part of your code is running or a certain async resource is currently executing. You can basically emit events with that embedder API. But again, I'm not aware that there's anything particularly related to errors, but maybe further knows something. Neither do I. Yeah, async world just a way to get callbacks on every kind of asynchronous event and after every kind of asynchronous event. It's pretty much it. I want to take a step back. We, we covered a lot on asynchronous hooks, and we talked about promises being a little bit strange to debug. Do we have tools built out for debugging promises in particular, or are there specific things to look out for that you two know of while debugging and you encounter a promise? As a callback fan, I can say that if you work with promises, you are on your own. <laughs> Agree with Fyodor. I'm afraid of all the emails we might get now, but I have like a related story to tell with reactive extensions that were in C Sharp actually originally RX, and it's kind of the same story where you have the observable and it's hiding a bunch of stuff that's actually complex. Like in C Sharp, for instance, it was actually creating threads under the hood. And from the code, it looks just like beautiful and nice and easy to follow. But we basically uh, used them and ran into a bunch of performance problems because we were not aware of all the stuff it was doing under the hood. So basically, the idea is that if you want to use promises, go ahead. As Fyodor said, you are on your own. But the main thing, I think, is you have to understand callbacks first because basically the entire node core is built on callbacks. The whole idea of callbacks, the whole idea of the kind of this event-based mechanism that Node uses is is better mirrored with callbacks. It's kind of the same idea if if you understand C and function pointers and all these things, you will have an easier time understanding C++. So I would suggest to anyone to first, you know, it's just starting out with Node, just make sure you understand callbacks, you understand how flow control works. And then if you want, you can reach uh, for promises. I know that they're especially useful to aggregate a bunch of data that come in from different sources. But yeah, again, it, you, you, you could pay down the line for the elegant code you're writing with promises. So I guess one final question on promises. Do you too think a debugger could make that situation better? Or is this something that is more a workflow problem? Because we talked previously about could a linter help, and it sounds like the conclusion was mostly the editor might be a better place for a linter. Is uh, is there a workflow that a debugger could perform to make debugging promises better? I would believe so. If, like I say, the V8 runtime is, you know, has awareness of the promises that are created and. Once in a while, actually, you open up DevTools on a web page and you get some unrejected promise or unhandled promise error or something along those lines. So I believe that errors, sorry, debuggers could kind of make this easier. Uh, I'm not aware how difficult this is, but this is basically something that would have to happen on the V8 side. Um, so I'm not, I'm not aware how far along they are with that. But that's something to look forward to potentially in the future, and we're starting to see a few things show up. 
So that's good news. Let's take another break for a moment and have a talk with DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the best place to get your application off the ground quickly and the easiest to scale when you find success. Start with the pre-configured Node.js one-click to get up and running in 55 seconds or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% SSDs in state-of-the-art data centers around the world. DigitalOcean's easy-to-use API makes integrating tools like Jenkins and Terraform simple. DigitalOcean is the fastest-growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers and laser-focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. DigitalOcean community articles provide guidance on a wide array of topics that help developers build better and faster infrastructure. Many of the Node.js packages for different Linux distros are actually built and tested on DigitalOcean VMs by Node.js and Nodesource. Get $10 credit when you sign up for a new account through the link do.co slash nodeup. As an added bonus, every time a new listener signs up, another randomly selected old listener gets a bonus $25 credit. Okay, we're back. So we've covered tooling around debugging, and we've covered kind of these big pitfalls and stuff to think about when debugging all these asynchronous events that Node loves to do. But let's move on a little bit and look towards stuff that's out in the wild and stuff we can look forward to. Before we get to that, I want to ask a question. Like, the two of you, is there some suggestion on handling debugging servers that are already in the cloud or production? Anything that you two do to debug something where you don't have a local process? Well, actually, at NodeSource, we are trying to makes this a lot easier with Solid and the platform around it. So basically, the idea is that you couldn't just run your process, for instance, with an inspect flag in production because that will open up that port and open yourself up to attacks. So it's a little bit tricky in that case. If you can reproduce the problem locally, that is a huge gain, but sometimes you can't. So in that case, it is super useful if you can at least get a heap snapshot or profile your server while it's running. And within Solid, we make that possible. We basically have an agent running alongside your app. It's running in a different thread, so it doesn't affect the running of your server. Obviously, taking a heap snapshot will still kind of slow down your server for that moment because it actually has to walk the heap, but it makes it a lot easier. But in general, I'm not aware of a good solution that's currently available for Node. I don't know where the V8 team will be going with this. So since you said we're kind of looking for what's coming up, I'm aware that with a, one of the Google Cloud offerings, if you're using Go, for instance, you can actually bug your server while it's still running. And the way they basically do this is when you set a breakpoint and you hit your breakpoint, it captures kind of all the state of your server right there. So your server actually keeps running but you in the in the DevTools or whatever you're using, it looks like uh, you actually stopped on a breakpoint and then you can step through your code. So I am hoping and I'm kind of guessing since they helped with the uh, inspect flag a lot, I'm, I'm hoping this kind of will go in that direction where you can then kind of debug also in production because right now you, you just cannot do that because your server will basically stop while that's going on. I know one trick that I kind of borrowed from uh, Matt Rani, or Matt Rani, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. He's uh, currently working at Uber and uh, was working with me at Wagster before. So the trick is to have on each of your Node.js servers and uh, some kind of internal HTTP server that works as a REPL, so read, evaluate, print, loop. And whenever you have a problem that you can figure out just from the logs, you just connect to this REPL, type something, and try to not crash your server and figure out what was going on. Mm, there is one interesting idea unrelated to this that could be explored in the future, potentially. Mozilla has developed a debugger for C applications in C++. It's called RR. This debugging tool is really cool because it actually records everything that uh, happens outside of the application. So either a networking or a file system or whatever, it will just capture all of the calls to the kernel. And it can run 
the, the application again. You can just walk backwards in time and uh, whatever do whatever you want and debug application from the start. So you can just potentially do something like this for Node and it would be really cool. Another trick and probably a tip is to enable core dumps, as we already mentioned on this show. That kind of works too and gives you lots of introspection. When you use that, that first trick that you mentioned about opening up your server to be kind of rappelled into, or make sure that that port is not open outside of the network and you kind of limit who can access that. Because if someone could just rappel into your server, read all the user data or do whatever, that is uh, very dangerous. So make sure to kind of limit that access. And one other thing that I wanted to add is also what's coming is we are getting the tracing API uh, implemented. So I will make sure to add the link here to the show notes of that format and, and probably the related pull request. As far as I know, it has been added or it's very close to being added. So that will basically allow Node to emit events for certain parts uh, of the code running. For instance, like, you know, HTTP parser has started parsing. HTTP parser has finished parsing, things like that. And it's a very simple event format. So basically, you just have an event name, you have a category, and, and a timestamp. And that's kind of like the minimal thing that you need. And the cool thing with the timestamp is that you can then synchronize that with other tools that might emit events. For instance, you could then also run, like I say, dtrace and make it emit the same events. And then you can kind of show them all together and see your performance data all together in one visualization, which actually you can load these events into Chrome tracing, which is basically if you type about or as you type Chrome colon slash slash tracing into your Google Chrome, that will actually open up. It's kind of like a dev tools for the developers of Chrome. So that's pretty huge. The other thing that's cool about it is that, as I said, it works with categories. So you can say, I'm only interested in HTTP or I'm only interested in, like, say, TLS. So basically, it has no overhead for, if you're not using it at all, and it has only overhead for the categories you are interested in if you're actually using it. So that's also coming. It sounds like there's a lot about knowing when things occur and snapshots when we're talking about debugging stuff in production. Fedor, you mentioned enabling core dumps, and Thorsten, you mentioned this kind of snapshot breakpoints that Google has for Go. Would it be possible to have something like that eventually show up for Node where you could generate these core dumps on demand and then uh, export them? from your production server down to be locally debugged? Or is that is that too heavy-handed somehow? Um, that's quite heavy-handed, actually. So right now, on uh, I think probably on all of operating systems, it will block the process for uh, maybe a couple of seconds, so depending on the amount of memory the application currently uses. And uh, of course, it depends on that, because a core dump is uh, basically all of the application's memory in a big blob of data. So maybe in the future we will see some improvements to this. I'm not sure if kernel will do some tricks or anything, but right now I'm afraid it's kind of limited to the crashes only. Okay, so core dumps are more for crashes. They're not generic snapshots you take all the time. Is that what I'm hearing? That's totally right. They take quite a lot of disk space. They are take a long time to be saved. So if you even if you enable it for the crashes in production, make sure to sort of rotate them or limit the maximum amount, the total count of the core dumps that you collect so they won't overflow your hard drive space on the server. Okay. So that's that's something to think about in the future. And speaking of the future there's now Node having a Chakra Core port that is uh, pretty pretty advanced so far. I know they just got what they call the Time Travel Debugger working on Node. Have either of you used that or looked at it so far? Any thoughts? I haven't used it, but I'd actually be interested to learn what, what that does, Bradley. You probably know. 
it creates these deltas between any sort of event while it's running in time traveling mode. So instead of just stepping forward in your application, you can roll back to previous state in your application. So you can step backwards. So after you do something in maybe console log, something that you didn't expect, you can roll back to see what caused the strange output. It's a little bit interesting. It sounds a little similar to RR that Fedor was doing, but not entirely. It's not made for running the application again. It's meant for unrolling the state to a previous one. Okay, that sounds actually similar to also what they're doing with Redux. And as far as I know with Redux, in order to make that work, you have to have immutable state. So anytime you create a new state, you have to basically create a whole new object for this. So do you know anything about what the overhead would be for that feature? Because they basically have to somehow keep track of all the states at all points of time to make that work, right? Actually, no. And this is a little interesting. The Chakra Microsoft Engine has all these really advanced dynamic uh, programming features. And one of them is the fact that instead of taking the whole state of a program, it has some mechanism to just take a change set between any two given states. They have a talk on it somewhere on YouTube, but it is long lost to me, and I've tried to find it a couple times again. Maybe somebody from Microsoft can uh, send the link our way. Yeah, I'm reading the paper at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it seems that they kind of have two kinds, from at least, at least from the quick peek at the paper, I can tell that it seems to have two kinds of step backs. So one is just the reverse step, and there is the reverse step dynamic. So I, I suppose, but I'm not totally sure that they log just events, log like, uh, how do you call it? Like log at some sort of points in application where a state can be reconstructed just uh, from the surrounding code and they store it somewhere, either locally or remotely. So they don't log like everything that happens, just at the times where you can reconstruct what you had before. Cool. On the same sort of topic of other engines and tools being available, I know Firefox DevTools can talk to the Chrome debugging protocol, which is what Node-Inspect is using, as can Visual Studio and VS Code. Is there any path forward towards seeing more proliferation of this, not just with the Chrome inspect protocol being used, but things that LL node could expose or the tracing API and async hooks. I guess what I'm really asking is, can we do anything to extend this Chrome protocol that people are starting to use in all these different environments and tools? Um, I'm aware of one project going on related to exposing a little node via some kind of protocol. I think the guys from IBM are working on this and they want to have some kind of high-level HTTP server-like API for talking to a little node, which could be in turn hooked up to some kind of inspector or whatever. It doesn't really going to speak Chrome inspector protocol yet, but maybe it is something to explore in the future. It's just uh, something that happens right now, so I, I can't even know for sure what the current state of this thing. Yeah, I think like it would probably be possible to be very creative and write a bunch of tools that are exposing, let's just say, a more low-level API, like let's say the tracing events, and uh, making that available to, to like a front-end to be easier consumed. Like, for instance, it would be nice to be able to say, start recording tracing events now and stop tracing event, recording them and then immediately show me the visualization instead of having to kind of do this all manually. I'm not sure if it would be a good idea to actually extend the inspect protocol. Originally, the inspect protocol came from WebKit and it's kind of has become some sort of a standard. I'm aware that Chrome 
did kind of extend it in Blink a little bit. But the main idea is that we want to stay compatible with kind of DevTools, obviously, and, and V8 under the hood. So right now we're using basically a subset of the inspect protocol because some things just don't make sense in a node, like for instance, inspect element. We don't have that. So what I would rather see is our tools that are kind of independent of the inspect protocol. They don't even have to be part of node. They could just consume some output of these lower level tools and, and maybe even feed them input. I guess you're saying maybe have what we talked about earlier with some sort of IDE that can talk to all these different tools and work together with them. Something like that? Yes, something like that. Or someone could even ex- kind of extend the, the graph- Chrome DevTools front end. So whoever has been using MindSpines Inspect is, is probably aware that the DevTools basically open inside of a web page, right? Because also the DevTools that are built in with Chrome are actually also a web page, which, by the way, you can inspect DevTools in DevTools by just opening DevTools in that DevTools window. So what you, someone could do is basically write a front end that's based on the front end that's now bundled with Node, but you could just write another front end and then add features to that that could, for instance, talk to let's say another server that's kind of propagating tracing events. And then you can include that as a tab in those DevTools. So the possibilities here are pretty much endless because all it is is like a kind of, actually the Chrome DevTools works with a WebSocket protocol. So they're talking over WebSockets, but you could write other tools that do the same thing. So just be creative. I'm expecting a lot of cool tools that kind of unify this all into either a kind of a front end in the browser or in an IDE. Cool. I think that's a good summary of where things are starting to head. With that, I guess we can move on. So this is the time in the show where we do plugs. I personally want to plug The Last Guardian. It's a video game that came out recently. I think it's absolutely beautiful and a little bit infuriating to try to control the camera in. But it's really been nice for me just to take a break. And I think everybody should be mindful and be sure to take a break when they're getting overworked. And more on a tech side of things. I've been doing a lot with JavaScript modules. And when I'm done with my current work on it, I want to try to look at making a standard archive format for both Node and the web. And so I want to plug Web Package, which is a very, very early draft for a proposal on standardizing that. Thorsten, do you have anything to plug? I want to plug people to question their current dev workflow and keep checking out kind of new tools or or writing new tools. So basically, if you have something that you need to do, and it's not as efficient as you could imagine. Just try to find a better tool or just improve one, write, write something around one. For instance, with, with the, what we just talked about, you know, give, it a, give Node Inspector a try, see, see how that works, play around with it. Try to take heap snapshots, try to do profiles, play with LL Node. The, the idea here is that until you, it becomes easy for you to use, you will just keep using your old tools, right? Because you, in the moment that you need something, that you need some information, you, you just don't have the time to figure stuff out. So figure that out while you can, like on a weekend, whenever you, you feel like you, you have nothing else <laughs> that you want to do. I, for instance, wrote a tool today that I also want to plug. It's called NIF, short for Node Inspect File. The thing that was bothering me is when you actually run Node Minus Minus Inspect, it prints the Chrome URL to the console, and it's different every time. Then you somehow have to copy-paste it. On iTerm 2, it, you can't even click on it. You have to copy-paste it in the browser every time. It's just annoying. So that workflow wasn't good enough for me. So I wrote NIF. Uh, we include the link in the show notes. And all it does is it basically launches your project with the inspect flag and the debug break flag, and then automatically opens the URL in your browser. Currently only works on OS X because it's using Chrome CLI under the hood, but I hope for someone to submit a PR to uh, make this work with some Linux tool as well, and maybe Windows. And the last thing I want to plug is traveling. So 
anyone who's has the benefit of working remote should make use of it and should just travel the world. You learn, you know, to know a lot of different communities. Right now, I'm actually in Colombia and Medellin. There are a bunch of developers here that are doing interesting stuff. Went to Argentina for a while, Europe. So just do that, learn, get to know the world a little bit while you can. And that's it. From my side, I'd like to plug a few things. One of them is called Derive Pass. It is an iOS application that I have been working on recently. And it basically wraps a library called a script, maybe better called a protocol. So it implements it and wraps it, and it could be used for generating passwords from the master password and domain name, login name. That's going to be probably a cool application. Right now I'm still working on it. Another thing is Mozilla RR that I talked about. It's really fancy project. I really suggest and ask everyone to take a look at it. It's just fantastic things. And the last thing, it's a kind of related to the topic that Bradley started. So it's a game. It's called The Slower Speed of Light. It's uh, developed by MIT Game Lab. It's quite old. I think it's turned five years old now. But it's really cool and it demonstrates the effects of special relativity by just slowing the speed of light as you consume some kind of balls inside of the game. It really looks amazing and of course if you'll start learning special relativity you will find it very demonstrative. So, I guess we all have a bunch of things to look at. With that, I would say we're gonna wrap this up. Fedor and Thorsten, thank you so much for joining us on this Node Up. For those of you listening, please follow at Node Up on Twitter. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, be sure to send an email to nodeup at gmail.com for more information. And with that, goodbye. <laughs>